Well, I want to welcome to the program today, Brian Mercier. Brian is the founder and the director of Catholic Truth, a, an apostolate that's dedicated to helping uh, anyone who's open to hear the truth and the beauty and the goodness, helping them to understand the truth, love the goodness, and live the beauty of their Catholic faith in this world. Welcome, Brian. It's great to have you on. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So, Brian, in some ways, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking at you. I've gone to your website, thecatholictruth.org. Folks, I'm going to point you to that website and to the YouTube page and other social media they're on. Uh, you are out on the digital front lines. You're on the digital front lines, but you're also uh, at, at the service of the Catholic Church here in the United States and, and beyond uh, to be available to speak, to, to teach, to preach, to minister, to help uh, Catholics. And, and, and I know you have a special love as well for young people to help them come alive in their faith. Brian, where did this passion come from for uh, for the Lord <laughs> Jesus Christ, for his Catholic Church? Well, let's just give our listeners a bit about your story. Sure. Yeah, actually, uh, you said you're looking at me right now, but most people looking at me wouldn't really believe that I used to dress in all black from head to toe, kind of a goth style, ninja style person, and used to carry weapons, used to hate my life, used to have a lot of anger and depression and rage, and I didn't know what to do with it all. And I did a lot of unhealthy things in high school and college, and my mom was very worried about me. And even though we were a Catholic family, I mean, I grew up praying every day since I could talk. We went to confession once a month, once every two months. We went to church every week. So, I mean, I prayed a rosary like literally every day while I was dressing in black and sitting in railroad tracks and letting the train go over my head like six inches and other stupid, crazy things that I used to do. And I think it was because I prayed so many rosaries and I never gave up on God, even though I felt like he wasn't listening to me, even though I was had a lot of abuse and bullying in my life and a lot of bad things that happened. Even during these dark times, I, I never let go of God. And so I guess he never let go of me. And my mother thought about sending me to jail to kind of get my life straightened out. And uh, she decided to take a different route. She decided to send me to a Catholic college to get some Jesus in me. And uh, she sent me to Franciscan University, which she heard was one of the best uh, Catholic schools in the country. And so I went there kind of begrudgingly. I didn't really want to go to Stupidville. I'm, as I said, I mean, Steubenville. <laughs> and uh, I went there with a bad attitude, <clears throat> cursing every other word, F word, F this, F that. And, you know, that was kind of my life back then. And uh, I went there and, you know, it was the opposite of high school where I was made fun of a lot and bullied a lot. And it was a complete uh, soil of fertility where everyone was so nice, loving, kind, joyful, beautiful, and such good examples of Jesus. And I actually didn't like that at first because I was like, these people are fake. And I was like, not everybody's this happy all the time. That's impossible. They're a bunch of, you know, posers. And eventually I began to, I was basically jealous because they had something that I didn't have. And I couldn't remember the last time. <clears throat> in fact, I didn't even look in the mirror for seven years because I hated what I saw. I literally had the lowest self-esteem on planet earth, rock bottom self-esteem. And I just hated myself and hated my life. And so I was jealous of them. And um, that's where I found God though, as I started to pray more, as I started to get to know people more, open my heart more. And God gave me this profound St. Paul kind of conversion where he, so to speak, knocked me off my horse and uh, just transformed me inside and out, upside down and backwards. He pulled out all of the hate that I had and just anger. And he just filled me with an overflowing peace and healing. And he took out all the sadness and the broken heart. And he just filled me with an overflowing joy and love. Like 
<clears throat> so much so that it's been over two decades and I have never hated anybody ever since. I used to hate a lot of people, but I've never hated anybody ever since. I have no hate in my heart. Just He just filled me with so much love and joy and peace. And all I wanted to do is <clears throat> share that with the world. Um, that's probably the very short version of the story, but that's that's the beginning of it. The second, I guess, the sh- maybe a shorter half is that I was sitting in a field one day out at my college and there's a 150 foot steel cross overlooking the city. And I was sitting in front of that steel cross crying and saying, God, you changed my life so much. You transformed me like I never knew you were this real. And I just want to help people, Lord, the way you've helped me. I want to heal people the way you've healed me. And I want to transform other people's lives the way you've transformed mine. And so I basically told God that I wanted to help as many people as possible. And I think that was the beginning of what would be years of ministry. Excuse me, I'm just getting over being sick. Um, It would be years... um, of different kinds of ministry from religious education directors, youth ministry, uh, teaching and um, Catholic high schools, that sort of thing, all which eventually led me to start Catholic Truth Today. That's really something, Brian. Uh, you, you said a number of things that I'm going to just sort of tease out and, and kind of pull the thread on. It, it, there, there are a lot of aspects there that are very striking to me. Now, Brian, one of the things that um, often will happen when I'm uh, either interviewing or if I'm doing a, a program is I, I'm trying to be open, like, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Are you prompting? What, what are you stirring in us? And as you were sharing your story, I just sensed that even now, like we're supposed to pray that someone is either going to be watching in this moment or listening in this moment. And we're supposed to pray for them. We're supposed to pray that um, they who just heard what you were speaking to, that they're actually in that moment, they're in that circumstance, or they have a family member. They're, they're, I bet there are, my sense is that there are a number of moms or grandmothers who are like, you, you're, you're describing my granddaughter, you're describing my son, and I, I'm, I'm desperate. I need to have that kind of St. Paul moment. Uh, is your throat well enough to lead a prayer for those people right now? Or would you like me to lead it? Um, I will let you lead it if that's okay. Yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's say a prayer for them right now. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Brian and for the amazing work that you did through your son, Jesus. I ask Lord that uh, your Holy Spirit would be moving in our midst, moving upon those who are watching or listening to this live or uh, or maybe even years later, Lord, your timing is perfect. And Lord, in this Advent season, uh, as we pray, I pray that you would break into our hearts, break into our lives, break into this moment. And especially for those who are in a dark place or who have a loved one in a dark place, a, a son, a daughter, a grandchild, I ask, Lord our God, that you would truly do again what you did for St. Paul, do again what you did for Brian 20 years ago, I ask God, do it again. May this be a moment of Advent, a moment of breaking in, breaking open, emptying out and filling with your love. Jesus, come. Jesus, come and and meet them, minister to them, unbind them and set them free. And Lord, for all those others that are listening who um, have shared in that same journey that that Brian has walked uh, and, and even in much lesser ways, but who also feel today a bit of anxiety or stress, a little bit of feeling overwhelmed with what's happening in their lives, I ask, Lord, that you would uh, just give us a sense of freedom, release, and relief, because you are coming. 
that you have made a promise and you will fulfill it in our regard. Lord, come to us today in the Eucharist. Come to us today in in the scriptures, in the word, in our prayer time. Come to us today through the gift of the Blessed Mother and and praying the rosary. Uh, Lord, do this and do much more, even more than we ask or imagine. We thank you, Lord, in advance for all that you're doing. Go beyond. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. It's kind of an Advent prayer right there, right? You, you don't know. Indeed. You got to always be ready. Like, when's the Lord coming? And and uh, in that moment, are you going to shift in your direction? So here you are. You're directing a, a Catholic apostolate. TheCatholicTruth.org is the website. Catholic Truth is the name of the ministry. TheCatholicTruth.org. And, and you guys are on the front lines, Brian. Uh, I went and looked. You, I didn't see you guys promoting your Facebook page, but you are on Instagram and Twitter. You're on YouTube. I like the, the fact that you guys are where young people are today. And you interview a lot of um, amazing guests, just folks that are at the forefront uh, of doing work of apologetics and evangelization. You yourself speak and you interview other folks as well uh, as, uh, as just an important ministry. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com talking with Brian Mercier. Brian is the founder and president of Catholic Truth, thecatholictruth.org. So let me just say, so as someone that's been doing this now for 20 years, how often do you get that sense of, okay, I come in with my agenda, my outline. Here's what I'm going to be speaking. Here's the teaching I'm going to give, or here's the way the interview is going to go. And then all of a sudden it gets disrupted. There's just this little nudge where the Holy Spirit says, Okay, go down this direction. Go talk to that person. Actually, pray with this person right now. I'd love to hear a story or just what's it like when that happens for you? Well, I always have an agenda. Like, for example, when I give confirmation retreats, I oftentimes give the same retreat. It's, you know, tailored for teens. But I always ask the Holy Spirit before the retreat, even before I start the retreat, I say, Holy Spirit, please help me to speak what you want me to speak, to not speak what you don't want me to speak, and help me to speak it with as much power and love as you want me to preach with, Lord. And uh, <clears throat> and I ask for him to lead it and guide it. So many times, you know, I feel like every retreat, every retreat, there's something that the Holy Spirit wants to say. There's a theme, there's a, there's a, um, something that he wants me to focus on. And so a lot of times it might be healing. A lot of times it might be um, conviction of sin. A lot of times it might be uh, the need for faith. Sometimes I deal with a hundred high school students at a confirmation retreat and 60 or 70 don't even believe in God or aren't sure if he exists. So, you know, that's going to be completely different than, you know, 60 or 70 who do believe God exists. He's going to bring me down a whole different path. But 
I remember <clears throat> during a retreat once, I was uh, I always end with a holy hour with adoration. And during this holy hour, these kids were so closed off. I do a retreat in this town every year, and they're some of the most closed kids I ever work with. And they just show up to the retreat like this. They don't want to have anything to do with it. But by the end of the prayer service, they're all, I mean, for example, one year we had 60 kids on their knees waiting in line to come back to me and my team to get prayed over. Like they were, we didn't even request that. They just did it. And um, during this retreat, one year, I uh, they were really close, even during adoration, and so I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, and I went up to the, you know, to the <clears throat> microphone at the front, and I said, "Listen, I was like, many of you want to experience Jesus, but you can't, you know, because you have idols in your life. You have built walls in front of God, and you need to break down those walls. So any of you who have." You know, even as teenagers, and, you know, you wouldn't assume teenagers do all this, but, you know, many of you struggle with addiction to drugs and to alcohol. And if you want to experience God, then you got to renounce that. you got to give it to Jesus. Come up here right now to the altar in the name of Jesus and just lay it down before him. You would not believe the amount of kids that started walking forward to the front of the, and this was not planned. None of this was planned. And uh, they started they knelt right in front of the Eucharist and started praying. Some of them started crying. And I said, there's others out there who are addicted sexually to stuff. And you're, that sexuality, that perversion of sexuality that you're doing, you know, is keeping you from God. You need to come lay that down before him. I said, there's others here who are addicted to anger, violence, and things like that. You need to come lay down. I mean, at I'd say like 70 or 80% of the confirmation class was up on the altar, kneeling, praying, crying, just like it was so powerful. And um, that's just one experience of how I wasn't planning to do anything like that, but I just felt God convicting me to to say that. And um, I do the same thing on my uh, my interviews as well, you know, or just anytime I try to be open in the Holy Spirit, you know, if the Holy Spirit wants to take it a different way, great. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Again, I'm talking with Brian Mercier. Brian is the founder and president of Catholic Truth, thecatholictruth.org. He's also the author of two books, Why Do You Believe in God and Counterfeit Spirituality, Exposing False Gods. <laughs> and so uh, uh, here, we take a look at his page. You can see uh, his books where you can get them right on thecatholictruth.org. Just go to the shop link and you can get them as well as you do a lot of like t-shirts and, and things like that. There's a lot of other resources like you, you're wearing one now, only one truth. I, I really like that. It's a, you're a billboard for Christ. You're a billboard for the church. And it's, it's one of those things where people maybe don't really think about, we are walking witnesses. We, we're a billboard. Our, our lives are speaking some message, whether we're aware of it or not. The people around us are sensing something coming off from us. And that can be anger. That can be anxiety. That can be people are despondent. Or people can feel, they can sense and feel your peace and your freedom. And 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 that's what we're radiating. That's what we're um, giving off, the atmosphere that comes forth from our lives. And so I think I want to come back to something that you were referencing at the very beginning in your testimony, Brian, when you were sharing about um, you, you were here at, at, at Franciscan University. My wife is a graduate. I have a daughter there now that's a sophomore. I've got to have another daughter that'll be a freshman next year. Um, we love Franciscan University. Uh, it, 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 they were able to absorb, let's call it your toxicity, right? There was enough of them that there was healthy uh, that was able to absorb that sense of 
the, the, the darkness that you were bringing into that environment and, and the darkness did not overcome the light of Christ that was around you. That's right. Was there a particular a uh, Catholic moment, a Catholic path that was the place of encounter? Like you referenced oh, yes. being before oh, yes. the Lord I told in the you. Eucharist. So, but go ahead. Yeah, I told you it was a very short story and uh, I left out a lot of details, but one of the big, the first big encounter was um, I was in church one day and I was five pews from the front and it, we were singing the song, Glory to God in the Highest. And <clears throat> all of a sudden um, I felt strongly. Now, keep in mind, Steubenville is very, it's like half charismatic, half very traditional. Yeah. It's like split. And at the time, I had never even heard of a charismatic and putting your hands in the air was stupid. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of my attitude at the time. And then ironically, five pews from the front during this song, I felt strongly that God wanted me to put my hands in the air. And being the good Catholic I was, I said, no, no, God, nope, not me. <laughs> and uh, I said, I, no, maybe if I was in the back, I would answer your call, but not in the front. I'm not going to look like all of these other weirdos. And um, he didn't make me, but I felt like he kind of wanted me to give him a chance, take a chance, he said. And so I said, fine, God, if it's going to make you happy, I'll put my hands in the air. So I did it just a little bit, not like all the weirdos, you know, just a little. But that was the moment that changed my life. And for me, looking back, 2020, okay, it's kind of like- that, if it's that is so like, that is so striking, like this small act of obedience, this small act of- like take the risk, like give God the chance to get in and move you in a direction that you weren't naturally inclined to go in. And God took that little yes, that even though it wasn't a full, all in, robust, hands all fully, that little act of yes, and God used it to come in in a major, massive way is what it sounds like. Major and massive is exactly right. Um yeah, looking back, it's kind of like if someone stuck a gun up to your back and put it right on your back and said, stick them up, what would you do? You'd say, I give up, I surrender. And I realized in that moment that that's all God wanted me to do was surrender, surrender to him, surrender my pain, my problems, my anger, my rage, my depression, everything that I had up until that time. So I just that little moment and I got hit so hard with this force. It felt like it's hard to explain spiritual things in a physical reality, but I felt like an uh, like an eighteen wheeler truck going about fifty five miles an hour, just plowing you in the middle of the the highway. Wow. Like I, when I can say I got hit, I actually thought I got I went through the back wall of the church. I actually looked around to make sure I was still standing in place, and this force started going through my whole body, and it paralyzed every part of me that it touched, and. Um, like I'm literally sitting there like freaking out and I'm trying to turn my head to the little girl next to me or the little guy next to me, you know, just to ask him, hey, I've never experienced this. Is this normal? But I couldn't even move my head. All I could move was my eyes. That's it. And I started freaking out. Like it started hurting. It's like God pushed a button and it got like intense. And then all of a sudden God knew I was freaking out. And I don't know. I just blacked out in that moment and wow. I blacked out. I don't even know how long I blacked out, but God gave me a vision of heaven. And I'm not going to tell you I saw heaven because I didn't, but he gave me a vision of what heaven was like, of what I needed to see for me. And I, what I saw was this huge throne room and this huge throne with Jesus sitting in it. I mean, a really big Jesus. And there was this uh, line going up to see Jesus and Jesus had this little man in his hand and he was hugging him and he was kissing him. And this guy was shining with God's light and he was just free and happy. And I looked out and the line was going all the way back out to South Heaven, as far as you could see, South Heaven. And uh, there were millions of people around the throne. Half of them were on their faces before God, just worshiping. And the other half were 
uh, had their hands all the way up in the air as high as they could go, just worshiping God. And I realized that I was next in line to go <clears throat> receive the love and the light and the peace and the healing from God. And on my way up there, I was like so excited. But then all of a sudden, the whole vision ended. And everyone else was at a whole different part of the mass. And I still had my hands in the air. I have no idea how long it, well, that even lasted. But when I came out of it, I was like, whoa, that was powerful. And it wasn't until that evening, I felt like God spoke to my heart. And he said, Brian, you've been looking for love and um, peace and happiness in all the wrong places. He's like, I alone can give you the love you need. And then he said four words, if you want it. He wasn't going to force me to follow him. He wasn't going to force me to have, you know, do the Christian life. But I said, yeah, God, I want it. Then over the next year, he just, I had several more similar encounters to that. I mean, I guess I'm really broken and weak that he needed to bless me strongly. But um, I had many encounters where he changed my heart inside and out, where he healed me to overflowing, made me completely new. I mean, one, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 22 talks about how God makes you a new creation. Well, he made me a new creation uh, over the next year, and it was amazing and beautiful, and I've never been the same since, and I've wanted to tell everybody about it ever since. If you've ever seen a good movie, I just have to tell people, well, God changed my life, so I just have to tell people. <laughs> That's so awesome. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out. DrTomCurran.com, DrTomCurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. I'm talking with Brian Mercier. Brian is the founder and president of CatholicTruth.org. I'll mention and I'll show you the website again and some of his social media channels. Brian, I want to I want to speak to the key. The key that you shared, uh, one of the keys, is that in the Mass at that moment, when you were um, surrendering. What you brought to God wasn't your piety, your devotion, your holy sentiments like, Lord, I surrender to you all of the love of my heart. No, you were, you were surrendering. You were taking the risk to open and entrust to the Lord. What you talked about was darkness, bitterness, brokenness, anger, hate. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think that like a lot of folks who are either listening or watching right now can't believe that Jesus is interested in having us pour out to him, empty out into him, that kind of like darkness. Like we are ashamed. We hide when we come into that. We hate ourselves at those places where we experience that kind of darkness. And folks, I want you to hear Brian's story. Brian had the prompting from the Lord to open and to bring and to pour out that stuff about ourselves that we hate, that, that we're disgusted by, that, that gives us a sense of loathing. And, and, and it's like, why would God want to even be in our presence? Why, why do we even want to dare come before God when even some of that darkness is stuff that we've chosen for ourselves? And the Lord invited you, Brian, take the risk, open and surrender. I mean, that act of faith of entrusting ourselves to God, you received an amazing gift. And I just feel oh, like yeah. a lot of folks are held back 
because of that sense of disgust or self-hatred that is the fruit of our own sin. Whether it's whether we're victims of other people's sin or our own sin, we come to that sense of self-hatred and we don't know how. We're just stuck. We don't know how to give ourselves over to the Lord. So here it is. It's the Advent season. And this program is actually airing on the feast of, or the solemnity of, the Immaculate Conception. And so, Brian, as you think about, or as you are reflecting on and sharing a bit of your story of the surrendering of everything to the Lord in this darkness, um, I'll give you a chance to respond to that. But then I want to shift over to the Blessed Mother on this amazing holy day. So um, I just shared a whole bunch with you about that sense of encountering uh, people who struggle to empty out darkness? What, what what did that what did that stir in you? Um, well, a lot because um, we make videos on our Catholic Truth YouTube channel on this because way too many Catholics, even good Catholics, who might not be as dark as or as bad as I was, they struggle with habitual sin, routine sin. I Scott, I told God I would never sin again, and I did, and I keep doing it, and I can't stop. And so God doesn't like me; He's mad at me. He gets sick of me, you know. And we have this scrupulosity or this anxiety that God doesn't love us or He loves us less because of our sins. And so many people struggle with this darkness. So we make lots of videos on this. One of my favorite books is called "I Believe in Love." And it's the uh, philosophy of St. Therese of Lisieux, and it's a retreat by Father Jean Dolbey. And he talks about we're way too hyper-focused on our sin. He's like, yes, your sin is darker, grosser, more evil than you could ever imagine. And yet he says that we don't focus enough on Jesus Christ, who is the light of life, the light of the world, the one who can transform pure dust into pure gold. That is what Jesus does is he transforms dust into gold. So we don't need to be afraid to approach him. If he can take someone like me and he can transform me into something like this compared to what I was, then he can work in anybody's life. And that's really powerful. So, you know, I challenge you to check out our Catholic Truth YouTube channel, our Catholic Truth podcast, and check out some of those stories. And I want to tell you a story too, just from you wanted to know how the Holy Spirit speaks to me and how the Holy Spirit works. Um, True story, I was going into the woods to read one day, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and he said, don't. He said, turn around and go down and read by the hospital. And so I didn't think much of it. I said, okay, fine. And so I turned around 180 degrees and I started walking and it's about a quarter of a mile away. And I was thinking to myself on the way there, wait a second, God. I mean, I know you're God, you know everything, but the hospital's under construction. The whole entire premise is surrounded by a fence. I can't go to the hospital. The only place I can go is like right outside that fence is a patch of grass and a fire hydrant. And I felt strongly that the Holy Spirit was just telling me to go there, just go. So I went without questioning. And uh, as you said, I surrendered. And um, I, I, you have to go down this big hill, and then you cross the street and you get to the patch of grass. Well, on the other side of the street, there was this big man. And when I say a big man, I'm talking a refrigerator with a little head on top. <laughs> and this man was called out to me even before I got to the street. He's like, hey, you, are you a Christian? I said, yeah. He said, are you a Catholic? I said, yeah. He said, do you read the Bible? I said, are you going to kill me? And he said, come here. And he told me he had just got out of prison for the first time in 15 years. And someone lady had given him a rosary. He had prayed it every day for 10 years. And he never felt God. And he said, brother, I just want to know that I can be forgiven for all the bad stuff that I've done. I've done a lot of bad stuff. He's like, I just want to be able to start over with God. And I said, you can. 
most people don't teach us how to pray correctly. We say prayers, but we don't pray prayers in a way that connects us to God and transforms us. So I'll pray for you, but you have to repeat it after me and mean it from the bottom of your heart. All right. And so I led him down to downtown where I lived and he knelt down and I knelt down and we just prayed. And I said, Lord Jesus, he repeated, Lord Jesus, I am so sorry for every sin I've ever done. And he said, I'm so sorry for every sin I've ever done. I said, I promise you, I will never do these sins again. I promise you. So I led him through this prayer and halfway through the prayer, I mean, I'm praying my eyes out. My, I, I'm like, come on, God, strike him with lightning. Like, come on, God, like just let him know you're real something. And uh, halfway through, I'm like, open my eyes just to see if he's taking it seriously. And when I opened my eyes and looked at him, I noted this guy, he's like kneeling down samurai warrior style. His hands are folded. He's like super hardcore about it. This guy's shirt was completely and totally soaking wet. He had, he was crying like a baby so much so that the tears were bouncing off and his pants were wet. I would have never believed it if I didn't see it with my own eyes. A 250 muscle bound, 300 muscle bound guy crying like a little baby, even though he could break me with one hand. It's like, what? But that's how the Holy Spirit works. And I told God I wanted to heal people the way he's healed me. And he's allowed me to reach so many people. But it started, like you said, at Steubenville. And that was only one encounter. There were many more where I just had a surrender, where I was like, oh, they had festival of praises there where you praise God for two hours on a Saturday night. I said, I'm not going there. It's stupid. And uh, God said, just give it a chance. I said, all right, fine. I'll Five minutes. That's all, God. If you can't convince me in five minutes, I'm leaving. I, they ended up being some of the most powerful conversion encounters and healing experiences of my life. So, you know, really, most people say a lot of prayers, but when we go way further than that and really open our whole selves and give everything we have to God and ask Him to transform us, man, <laughs> He just gives. Amen. That's Brian Mercer. Brian, you're sharing these incredible stories, and you can see these on videos if you go to thecatholictruth.org. And then again, if you click on his website, I shared that screen just a moment ago, their YouTube channel, which is at Catholic Truth Official. Um, you can get to uh, their YouTube channel. On one of these recent videos, you were talking, Brian, about having a good Advent. And in particular, you actually referenced the rosary. So here we are, this program is airing on the solemnity, this holy day of the Immaculate Conception. And, and so it obviously highlights the Blessed Mother. And you talked about praying the rosary well. And you just got uh, done sharing about the importance of praying in a way that wasn't just perfunctory, not just sort of saying the words. Well, you grew up in a home where you prayed the rosary every day. Um, you're married. You have a little one, a little three-year-old. And I've, I've been blessed with a bunch of kiddos. And praying the rosary and praying the rosary daily, it, it's a battle. It's a battle because there isn't, uh, you know, uh, the angels only appear like three times a week in our home when we pray the rosary. So I wish. That's all. I'm, I'm sure actually they're there all the time, but uh, my kids aren't acting as if they're there all the time. And so um, in terms of praying the rosary and the place of the Blessed Mother on this amazing holy day, um, what would be an insight or two that you'd want to share with with the folks that are listening or watching about the gift of the Blessed Mother in helping us cross that bridge to an act of faith that is personal, that is real, that is a, a true emptying out, even of those places of brokenness? Uh, and so the place of the Blessed Mother, how has she been a gift to you in your own Catholic journey? 
Well, like I said, I prayed the rosary even during my dark days, and I don't know why, except that God has hand on me. And I prayed all through those dark days, even though it didn't seem like it was working. I just kept praying. And so thousands and thousands and thousands of prayers <clears throat> by Mary for me was extremely helpful. And I believe that helped lead me to my powerful conversion experience. Not to mention my mom praying for me, crying for me, sacrificing for me for decades, <laughs> you know, wondering if I'm ever going to turn out right. Um, <clears throat> but the Virgin Mary takes all of our prayers, takes our filth, takes our um, <clears throat> impurities, the stuff that we don't like, and we give her our prayers and she cleanses them, she purifies them, and she brings them before God. Think about this, that Mary was so holy, by all by God's grace. She was so holy, pure and honorable that God chose her to have his son enter into the world through her womb. And if she's that pure, that Jesus would come through her, then we can go back through her to Jesus and she can purify our prayers. Her prayers are perfectly powerful. What do we need to get prayers answered? A lot of faith, a lot of humility, and a lot of obedience. And she had all three of those to perfection. So she takes our prayers and she gives them to Jesus. <clears throat> I like to joke that she's taps Jesus on the shoulder and says, Hey, you know what? Can you, you know, help Ryan out or, you know, whatever. My uncle was an atheist said, why in the world would you go to the blessed Virgin Mary instead of Jesus? That's like going to New Jersey. Uh, unless I go into Maine by way of New Jersey, you're going the wrong way. I said, ah, ah, it's on the contrary. It's like Mary picking me up in a sports car and driving me to Maine a lot quicker, faster, in a much more awesome way than I ever could. <laughs> I love that. That's uh, that's a great, I love that analogy. Uh, I think that the Blessed Mother is um, one of those Catholic realities that you don't get until you experience it, right? So you, we can read about the Blessed Mother, we can study books, but until we actually make the effort to pray the rosary and, and pray through the drudgery, pray through the dry times, pray through the, the moments of, I don't get it, I don't see the fruits, it doesn't make sense to me, and then it does. And then lo and behold, you get these little signs, these little messages that come back to you later that are like, oh, wow. And I think you're you're a living testimony to that. I have a 23-year-old daughter. She's my oldest. The way that she talks about praying the rosary now is so powerful and seems such a far distance remove from when we would actually pray the rosary as a family, which again, didn't display often at all, like signs of fruitfulness, signs of devotion, signs of um, any sense of fervor. But it's it's like, tilling the soil it's tilling the soil it's 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 uh trusting that the lord is at work despite what you see despite what is appearing right. in front of us and so i just want to add that 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 sort of little testimony of my own daughter just sharing about the rosary is amazing it works it's true guys let's go and she's evangelizing her younger siblings in our little group texting there um, with the gift of the Blessed Mother. So on this holy day, I hope and pray that folks, as you listen, that you'll sense that, um, you know what, let's in this Advent season, the season of hope, the season of awaiting the coming of Jesus to be born in our homes, in our relationships in new ways, that we would be open to trying the rosary, try it today, uh, pray a rosary and just Watch what God will do, like that little act of surrender. So, Brian, as we are uh, sharing today, times and seasons change. Times and seasons shift. 
And you've been at this now for a couple of decades. In, in some ways, if we take a look at the state of the church in the United States, it's it seems to have gotten worse and worse in terms yep. of statistics and numbers and the churches emptying out and young people falling away. As you look at this moment in the life of the church, where do you see God at work? Sure. Um, before I answer that, let me just say that um, I have a video called Seven Ways to... Uh, seven tips on getting the most out of the rosary on our Catholic Truth YouTube channel, if people are interested. Now, I think it's a powerful video because it really helps you to actually pray the a rosary in a way that will change your life. We also have one of why to even pray the rosary. Why pray 50 Hail Marys to five Our Fathers? Aren't we focusing too much on Mary? Like, So people ask these questions and we answer them if you're interested. Second, we have a video called Hope for the Catholic Church. <clears throat> we made it after we made a video called Catholic Crisis, where we excoriated the Catholic Church, bishops, priests, and people for wrecking souls, destroying lives, and really not teaching the faith as they should. But we don't like to be all negative, so we made a video called Hope for the Catholic Church, and all the signs of hope and rehabilitation um, in the Catholic Church. And there's many, actually. I mean, just starting with Steubenville alone. Back in what, 19, I'm guessing, 75 or somewhere around there, they started the Steubenville conferences, youth conferences, and they had thousands of kids at each conference every weekend throughout the summer. That's tens of thousands of kids, teens that they were reaching. Eventually, over the years, they had to, yep, there it is. Uh, eventually, they had to turn so many kids away that they started these conferences in four different states. And these states had 2,500 teens in each location for two weekends. That's 5,000 teens. In, that's 20,000 extra teens. All of those eventually had to turn teens away that they started in four, uh, eight different locations. And they had to turn teens away. I mean, we're talking almost hundreds of thousands of teens here. The fire of the Holy Spirit is just spreading. And now they... They, had, they started in 10 different states, then 12. I think they have tons of different states now and in Canada. And kids are being transformed. I mean, when I was volunteering for these conferences, they'd ask how many teens here would consider becoming a priest or a nun. And just at one conference alone, you'd have maybe 200 to 400 boys stand up to consider being a priest. The problem is not a shortage. The problem is a lack of faith. The problem is a lack of challenging them. The problem is a lack of giving them the fire of the Holy Spirit. When we give them that and they love their faith, they want to live it and they're open to the Lord. You know, same thing with the girls. I mean, probably 100, 200 girls stood up to consider becoming nuns. And that's all one location. How many more? I mean, Steubenville is flooding um, the world with vocations and youth ministers and <clears throat> speakers like myself and that sort of thing. So the Franciscan University with their Bible conferences, apologetics conferences, and all the rest, these are that's one avenue that's literally from the ground up creating renewal in the church, not to mention the college itself transforming kids day and night through education. Um, but then we could take another example of Camp Veritas. It's a, a camp, Catholic camp that's a week long for grades 7 to 12 in New York, and it started about 10 years ago with 50 kids. Now it has five locations and has like 1,500 kids. And so I think it has maybe more than that, has sometimes 500 kids at each location. Wow, I've never so heard of that. 
two yeah, in New York, one in Maryland, one in Florida, and one in Ireland now, because Ireland is just a hellhole for the faith. I mean, it's absolutely bankrupt for faith. I went there. I've spoken there. I've given a retreat there, and I was shocked by the lack of faith that they have left there. I was like, wow, this is St. Patrick's land. So they're trying to renew the youth over there. So from the ground up, they are renewing the youth. And in fact, the person who started that was voted family of the year by the Knights of Columbus because they're doing such good work and doing such renewal. And the camp's actually very powerful. It's, it's kind of like a Steubenville conference, but for a whole week. And you get to play a lot of sports and go-karts and a lot of fun things. So Camp Veritas, I highly recommend it. Definitely check it out, people. Um, <clears throat> then you could talk about the renewal of... I mean, back in the day, the, why I made Catholic Crisis is because in the 19, from 19, I believe, 65 to 1975, 50,000 nuns left the church, 10,000 priests left the church. And there was a huge hole in the church. And they had a basically, they relaxed seminary laws, they relaxed psychological evaluations, they just let anybody in. And we wonder why we had all these scandals coming to the church. Um, <clears throat> well, bottom line is that many people attacked the church and evil people came into the church and they tried to disseminate their false information down through seminaries, religious education programs, Catholic schools, and so on. So for a long time, these things were barely Catholic many times. I mean, here in Connecticut and Massachusetts, where I'm from, many of the Catholic schools had atheists teaching religion, Protestants teaching religion, like what? But I can tell you from experience that these schools have been and are being reformed. Seminaries have been reformed in most places, which is great, especially particularly disgusting evil ones have been reformed. So from the ground up, um, the Catholic Church is reforming, and there's a lot of hope. I mean, you have nuns, you know, for decades who wouldn't wear habits. Now, those those nuns and those orders are dying out, whereas the younger nuns who are all wearing habits, who are super hardcore, who want to take the really hardcore vows like the Dominicans, the Sisters of Life, the CFRs, the mothers, the Sisters of Charity, Mother Teresa's order, they're flourishing. Nuns are growing once again. They're starting schools once again like they used to. They're serving the poor. I mean, from ground up, I mean, then you have a Catholic answer doing apologetics coast-to-coast -coast, worldwide, teaching Catholics the faith, Ascension Press. You have Dynamic Catholic. You have Father Mike Schmitz. You have Father uh, Bishop Barron. You have Catholic Truth. You have all of these places that are just burgoying and starting. I mean, we started just a few years ago. We had 400 YouTube subscribers. Now we have almost 50,000, you know, reaching people, millions of people in 60 countries. So I can't tell you that just the amount of people and the amount of organizations that are rising up. Focus. Focus is sending missionaries to pagan college campuses to do Bible studies, to lead kids, to share the truth of Jesus. And they're helping many. Their conferences, I think, have over 10,000 teens and young adults, college-age kids, uh, YCP, which is Young Catholic Professionals. They're starting chapters in all the major cities across America and bringing Catholic professionals together. Their conferences have thousands of people as well. I, I could keep going, but the amount of hope and signs of revitalization in the church is amazing. And I have a lot of hope for it, despite all the, the evil and corruption going on. That's beautiful. I love the uh, I love the passion that gets behind it, right? It's not just information, but it's this is really like this is the goodness of the truth. This is the beauty, the majesty of the truth. And 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 I love how you're a witness to that, Brian.
talking with Brian Mercier, again, the president and founder of Catholic Truth. It's thecatholictruth.org is his website. Brian is available to come and give talks and retreats to confirmation classes and other events that you're doing. I encourage you to go to his website. You can click there to get more information about him and his other team members. Brian, one of the areas where you have a sense of passion is um, using the internet. Uh, St. John Paul II talked about the internet as a place where the face and light of Christ should shine forth. It's a, it's a platform. It's a, it's a digital world. And that means it's a, it's a, it's a, a place for digital missionaries. It's a place to go and proclaim the good news. And I find this to be a, um, a bit of a, a challenge because on the one hand, um, I'm there. You're there. We we desire to be there, to be the face and light of Christ. And yet the devastation, the destruction, the addiction that comes from consuming content on the internet comes from the use of smartphones, right? Smartphone addiction is is now a thing, right? It, it's, it's, uh, it's not just internet use addiction anymore. Now there's a subset of smartphone addiction. And, and this is something that's just consuming the lives of adults, right? What's the first mm-hmm. thing people pick up in the morning when they get yeah. out of bed or they can't even go to the bathroom without taking their phone with them? God bless them if they go more than 10 feet and they get anxious because uh, do I, where's my phone, right? Phantom buzzes in, in your pocket from where the phone is. It's amazing how we have allowed social media and the internet to bring us into contact with 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 a world that is devastating to peace to to our spiritual lives. So how do you navigate that? On the one hand, we can do great good being on the front lines through the internet. On the other hand, it can be a great challenge because of the addictive aspects of the internet themselves itself. Yeah, that is really hard. And I struggle with it too. I mean, <laughs> I think we all yeah, do. raise your hand. Right? Um, There's anyone who doesn't, right? They're <laughs> either a monk living in a cave or they're they're fooling, they're fooling themselves. Exactly. So I try not to worry about, you know, putting out our content because people are already addicted. But I would rather have them be addicted on Catholic things, you know, on holy things. And eventually, you know, they'll find our videos and hopefully they'll watch our spiritual videos, which challenge them to give up their phone more during Advent. Don't check it first thing in the morning. Don't bring it to the bathroom and don't check it right before bed. Give that up as a minimum during Advent. I also just challenged people in our latest video that's going up tonight to watch one spiritual video a day. And these spiritual videos, if you watch them, will convict you of sin, help you to learn things. So we're using the internet in a good way. We're trying to you know, hopefully revitalize and renew it in a good way. Because, I mean, let's look at Netflix and movies and video games and all of the addictions out there. But if they can fill their heads more with Christ and Christ-like things, I'm hoping that it will lead them to more of a conversion, you know, more of Christ and less of earthly things. That's what St. Paul says in the Bible. Think of the things that are above and not below. And I just challenged them in my newest video. How often do we think of the things that are below? How often do we think of work and entertainment and fun and everything that's not God? And how often do you think of God a day? Most people maybe say a prayer a few minutes before they go to bed at night. That's not prayer. And that's not a relationship with God. In fact, I can 
put up with my enemy or people I don't even like for a few minutes. You know, I can give someone says, Hey, can I talk to him? Sure. Okay. I could deal with him for a couple of minutes. And basically I heard a priest say that once he's like, you're giving God the same time you would give to people you don't even like. He's like, we need to start giving real time to God, thinking about him more, contemplating him more, meditating on him more, reading spiritual books and that sort of thing. So if we can fill their hearts and minds with goodness and God, you know, I'm okay with that. That's awesome. Brian, when you <laughs> think about um, nurturing your own like spiritual life, uh, are there sources that you go to? Like, I love the liturgy of the hours. So for me, my default setting is when I get up and I do my quiet time, um, I will pray uh, the invitatory psalm, the office of readings. And, and now in Advent, I've incorporated morning prayer as well. Um, mm. And then, so for me, I, lo- I I think it's so important as an antidote to social media and internet use is being able to access actual physical books, holding them in your hand, sitting quietly and contemplating the real world that's in front of us and not accessing a screen that gets into a digital world. I think that there are tremendous losses that come to our spiritual life when we surrender a contemplative way of accessing the world. And in some ways, Advent is about calming down, quieting down, being more contemplative in a waiting mode. Um, so what do you do to um, like foster a, a deeper sense of, of devotion and prayer in, in, in your Advent? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And it's so important. And in my life, I mean, <laughs> my friend once told me that I was too busy and I'm never going to get married. And so I said, I don't have time for a girlfriend. That's the last thing I need. And then three weeks later, I actually met the woman who would become my wife, weirdly enough. And, you know, it's interesting how much time I found that I had because we make time for those things that are important in our life. And I get way too busy even doing ministry and just just being a busy body. And sometimes that causes me to lose my relationship with God a bit. And so I'm constantly having to reevaluate. Number one, I need more silent time in my life, not just saying prayers, but being quiet and listening to God and being with God, reading spiritual readings, which is one of my favorite things, reading spiritual books, reading the lives of the saints, reading a chapter of the Bible a day, and just meditating on it, just being with God and letting him speak to me through these avenues. I mean, spiritual reading, in my opinion, is one of the most powerful ways of letting God into your life and teaching you. Um, But I also, I mean, traditionally, I pray a lot of different ways. I try to go to mass in the morning. You know, I try to go to adoration. Adoration is one of the most powerful ways of just being with God and letting him transform your heart, speak to your heart, love you where you're at, and just cultivating that deep, intimate relationship with him. I love adoration. Uh, Like you, I pray liturgy the hours sometimes. Other times I pray a rosary. Other times I, you know, might do just morning prayer. You know, I, I try to just... I try not to do just one thing or another, but whatever I do, I try to do it out of love for God. And I think that's what's most important. But I definitely think we have a problem with a lack of silence and quiet time in prayer and in life. In fact, I just read a book by Cardinal Sarah, and it's called The Power of Silence. And it's like a bomb on our culture. It's like a bomb on us. He said, those people who refuse to take time in silence assassinate God in their life. Wow. Like that's powerful. And so we really need to cultivate silence more. 
Yeah, it's an amazing book. Yeah, The Power of Silence. Uh, it's published by Ignatius Press, by the way. Uh, Cardinal Sarad yes. does an amazing job in that book. Uh, Brian Mercier with Catholic Truth is my guest today on the program, whether you're watching or listening to the program. Brian, this is an amazing thing. One thing I want to I want to uh, ask you, it'll probably be our last question, just in terms of the time we have that remains. So you've been doing this for 20 years. One of the challenges that I men face that are spending their lives in an apostolate, in a Catholic ministry, is uh, how do I provide for my family? Like, how do, Lord, huh. how are you going to take care of my family? I'm supposed to provide financially for my family and, and have a sense of covering. And yet I'm going to lead a nonprofit Catholic ministry, which by itself makes things very challenging. So right now we're in a moment where the economy is fracturing, where people's financial condition is, is feeling more stress and pressure. Uh, inflation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as you, as someone that has sort of lived on the front lines of this, um, where do you, where do you go? How do you access that sense of trusting that the Lord will be your provider and and give you the provision you need? Yeah, well, <laughs> that was very difficult because, um, and it's still difficult because when I started Catholic Truth, um, my wife and I were going through like dark nights of some sort and. I was like completely black, far from God, or at least I felt far from God. And I have three options before me. You know, I got offered a job at a Catholic school. Um, I had a job. I could go back and get a restaurant job or something else, or I could maybe try to do ministry full time. And it was really hard to discern God's will during that time because it was so dark and black. But the only thing I felt a slight spark or calling to was full-time ministry, even though it made no sense to turn down the full-time job doesn't make sense. And my wife was quite angry with me at the time for doing so. Um, but I said, I have to, you know, go where I think God's leading me, you know? And, you know, I told God, I was like, if you want me to get a real job, work nine to five, I will. I don't want to. I have nothing in my being that wants me to, but I will if that's what you want. And, um, but I said, I'm going to try to do Catholic truth for one year. And if it doesn't work out or if it doesn't grow at all, then I guess I'll go back to, you know, just living a nine to five. And, you know, I had a, had a YouTube channel for four years up to this point, and I only had 400 subscribers. But I really tried to go all in for a year, and I went from 400 subscribers to 6,000, then 6,000 to 15,000, then to 30-something thousand, and now we're almost at 50,000. And um, admittedly, I'm really good at ministry, but I'm not good at, you know, raising money for nonprofits, <laughs> not good at pestering people about, you know, supporting us. So that is something I need to work on. And uh, right now, my wife is working, but I want to get to a place where... I could support the family. And I was supporting the family for a while till COVID. COVID destroyed everything. It took away all of our speaking engagements, our retreats, our parish missions, everything. Like that was a really dark, difficult, hard time. And um, it's one of the reasons my wife had to go back to work. And uh, so, but I do hope to get to, back to a place where, you know, we can provide and God will provide. And I feel like most people, they have to work in nine to five, but also do ministry on the side. I'm like one of the few I guess, people who are trying to make it work full-time just because I feel God's calling it to me. Like it literally has to be a calling. It's difficult and it's not easy in, in, in any means. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I want to say, especially in Catholic circles, as compared to Christian circles, uh, you could you could be a pastor of your own church if you weren't Catholic, right? But in the right. Catholic world, laymen have a have a very challenging time. Most Catholic laymen, I've been doing church ministry work since 1989, and it is not easy. It is a it, it is a, a path that says you're going to work long and hard, and you're going to have to trust. And the a number of folks that can actually survive and provide for their families um, is it's extremely small. So I mm-hmm. I applaud you for your willingness to press forward to trust the Lord to say uh, where we obey Him. As he as 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 he asks us to follow him, he's going to take care of us. Ask him to display his shocking generosity <laughs> towards you, and just watch what he will do um, to open doors that you that you can't even see. And so that's that's my final word for you, Brian. Uh, a word of encouragement. So, folks, I do encourage you to check out Brian's uh, his his main website, thecatholictruth.org. Which again, if you go to the CatholicTruth.org, you can find out how to invite him to come. Uh, not just him, but he has other team members as well as other resources. You can shop for other goods. It's still not too late to get stuff for Christmas. Brian, I just want to thank you so much. Uh, during a time when you've uh, still battling a little bit of a flu and in your home, that you've been so generous in giving time to me today. Thanks so much, and, and just God blessings upon you and, and upon Catholic Truth. Thank you, and God bless you and your family. And thank you for having me on.